Welcome to episode 28 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on April 17th, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor at GameCritics.com, and I am also 50% of this here show. With me, as always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics and Man About Town. How's it going, Corey? Brad, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been better. I'm on the tail end of kind of a nasty hangover today, and uh, I'm like literally sitting at my desk with a glass full of iced Pedialyte that you buy in the infant food department at uh, like Target. And I oh uh, sure yeah. sure yeah good stuff indeed I, uh, I I'm not I've, I've definitely been better I'll just put it that way I'm not feeling 100 percent at the moment but you know what it was all my fault so I can't really complain to anybody about it yeah I was watching your Twitter feed last night that was pretty entertaining <laughs> you looked like you were kind of hammered in fact you were so hammered it looked like you almost turned straight oh geez well okay so uh, we had some friends in town. And uh, some of Patrick's, like one of Patrick's friends that he, like his childhood friend, best friend, basically Kelly, and then her boyfriend, Andrew, who was in marching band with all of us in college. And they're like a couple, Kelly and Andrew. So um, we went out last night and, well, we went out like every day this weekend. And, but last night was kind of like the big night because, you know, why not pick Easter Sunday to go out drinking? So we went to a parade, a gay Easter parade yesterday uh, afternoon in the French Quarter. And then we went out last night. We got a really nice uh, seafood dinner. Um, I can't remember the name of the restaurant or I would say it right now, but it was good. And um, and then we went to, God, we went to like three or four bars and um, like I drank, um, God, I mean, I drank a lot. Like I had like a 10% ABV beer to start. And then I had a rum and coke at the second bar. And then the third bar we went to was like an absinthe bar. And I didn't get absinthe, but um, they actually like knew how to make drinks because New Orleans is really hit or miss downtown. Sometimes it's like, I mean, most of the time you go in a bar and, you know, like my go-to drink is like an old fashioned or a rum and coke. Those are like my two. And, you know, I like we went to this really crazy, like um, kind of goth, like satanic themed bar last night, which was pretty cool. So we get there and I was hoping that they would have some neat like themed drinks because the whole place, it was like red lights and black lights and there were like this weird like <laughs> pictures on the walls and it was like super like loud, like heavy metal music. And uh, so I go up to the bar and I look at the woman and I was like, I know this is going to be probably a stupid question, but can you make an old fashioned? Um, and she was like, no, I don't have like half the ingredients. And I was just like, fucking really? Like I I'm in a bar, you have like a whole like liquor cabinet behind you and you can't even make it old-fashioned so i got a rum and coke there then the second bar we went to i got like three old fashions and then i got uh we went to like two other bars went to like a gay bar and i got a rum and coke and then we went to another gay bar and i got like three rum and cokes and whenever we were at the absinthe place the woman sitting next to me complimented my shoes which is always nice i it's like one of my favorite things in the world is getting complimented on my shoes and, and so, <laughs> I'm going to file that away for next time I see you. <laughs> so like we're sitting there, I have no idea who this woman is. And, uh, and she comes, she compliments my shoes, you know? And so we start talking a little bit and she's in town from New York and she's here for some like anthropological, um, I hope I said the right conference, um, with like her, I don't know, work or something. And they were all like staying in a hotel and they went, uh, that was close to downtown. And so we were talking a lot and 
she was super drunk, but she wasn't like falling all over herself. Like she was keeping it together really well, which I appreciated. And, uh, and yeah, she was like hitting on me. I mean, not like full on hitting on me, but I mean, I could tell that, you know, maybe she was interested. Um, and, and then at one point she was like asking me who the people were, you know, sitting to my right. And so I was like, Oh, the guy on the end is my partner. And then she was like, Oh, and then she went on this whole, like, like, uh, was telling Patrick, like, oh, you did, like, oh, this guy's really great. You guys are so cute together, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I mean, it was kind of funny, but it was, like, kind of embarrassing, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was, like, the midway point of my night last night. Um, and then... Did she, like, ask to, like, be your third or something? No, no, nothing like that. Thank goodness. Oh, that's um, a bummer. Oh, well. But, that uh, would have been a fun story. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, the weird thing was, though, is that she, like, so she asked if we were from New Orleans, and I was like, no, I was like, well, we are now, but, you know, we just moved here, but we are technically locals now, and she asked me where, we, where I lived before, and I was like, well, I grew up outside of Kansas City, and then we lived in Omaha for about three years, and then now we're here, and so she started... What I can only describe is the, the dumbest thing you can ever possibly do in a bar, which is not true, but it's what I think. She started talking about fucking politics while she was wasted. So, oh boy. Yeah. So, and the good news is that, you know, she's like a hoity toity New York woman. She like was liberal and all that stuff. So we were definitely seeing eye to eye on everything. But what was really annoying was that she, she is the kind of person that, like, that, Republicans hate because she like she was she was like asking me how um, Nebraska was a was a red state and I was like well I can't I was like I can't speak to all of Nebraska like I only lived there for three years I there's only two big metropolitan areas there's Omaha and there's Lincoln which are very densely blue and then you know the rest of the state is not you know it's it's thin population and pretty much you know it's all like farmers and stuff like that and it's red and she was like she, she was trying to, like, make, like, she wanted me to take responsibility for, like, the entire state of Nebraska's voting. And, like, and she... <laughs> well, come on, Corey. You are the king. I mean, You're I king guess. Of Nebraska. Uh, and I, it was just, like, and she was all, like, talking about, you know, talking about, like, oh, New York, blah, blah, blah. And, like, and, you know, she asked if we live close. And I was like, well, we, we live about 15 to 20 minutes outside of downtown. And so, of course, she pulled, like, the, oh, well, that's what I love about New York because, well, I, like, you don't have to drive anywhere. You just walk and the bars are right here and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at her and I was like, do you realize that you, that, like, this is exactly, like, you're, you're thinking that you're going to come to New Orleans and, like, change all these Republicans' minds about, like, being democratic and being liberal. I was like, but you're exactly the person that's just going to piss them off even more because you're this, like, woman from New York who thinks you're all high and mighty because you were born and raised in New York. And then you can just descend upon these Republican states and, like, belittle everybody and try to change their opinions. And, I mean, we weren't, like, fighting, but I was just like, do you realize that this is, like the air that you're giving off and it's irritating and you're not going to change anybody's opinions by acting like this, especially when you're fucking drunk in a bar. Like it's just not, it's just not working. <laughs> I mean, and she, well, what, what, was she hot enough to change someone's opinion? Maybe. Oh, geez. I mean, she, she was definitely good looking. She was like mid forties, but she didn't look a day over like, I don't know, like 32 or 33. Um, she had, um, I asked her if she was blessed with good genetics or if she had expensive skincare because she looked, uh, she was very pretty, but, um, not like supermodel pretty, but I mean, she was a very nice looking woman. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, it was just bizarre because usually when I go out, I'm not the kind of person that just like randomly strikes up conversation with people in the room and does that. But I mean, we I talked to her and her friend for like an hour and, uh, you know, and we were joking and everything. And I don't know, it was just it was fun. I definitely had a good time, but it was just weird when she was getting all political and shit and trying to like make me feel bad for the state of Nebraska being like overwhelmingly Republican and all this stuff. And I was just like, well, lady, I mean, it kind of, it kind of is your fault. I mean, let's be fair. It kind of <laughs> is your fault. So, you know, she wasn't entirely off base, but <laughs> well, that sounds like quite the adventure. You know, I was going to launch into, uh, uh, our usual spiel about talking about banter, but you kind of like naturally segued into it. I mean, Indeed. I don't know if you had planned to talk about that or not. Was that your, was that your banter topic for tonight? Or did you have something else that you wanted to bring up since we're kind of just rolling into it? Uh, well, that was the the meat of it. But I did have one other thing I wanted to mention um, because I want to get a little tiny bit of movie banter in. Um, I went and saw a movie called Raw last week. Have you heard of this movie, Brad? Oh, I've heard of it. And I heard it was, I heard it was okay, but I was curious. How was it? Uh, or actually, tell us what it's about first. Okay. It is about I, I don't want to give a whole lot away because it's totally one of those movies that you should like you know not know a whole lot about whenever you go see it but it is a sure, sure. it is a um uh it's a foreign film it's a french belgian film and it's the directorial debut of I'm, i don't know how to pronounce her last name but it's julia uh, de Curnow or de Sur now i don't know how to say it but um she's a french uh french director and i guess she went to some like famous uh i think it's like a famous foreign film university or something um but she wrote and directed it it's called raw it is about a young woman who goes to veterinary school whose older sister is like a year or two older than her at the same veterinary school and it kind of documents the first week or so of her life at the veterinary school but the twist is that their whole family is vegetarian like very strictly vegetarian and whenever she starts going through the veterinary school, she becomes a cannibal. So it's like a coming of age, like teen woman story that just happens to center around cannibalism. Is it because she gets like infected or she just goes crazy or like, I mean, or would that be giving away the movie? Does it uh, matter? I don't want to say, um, I don't think okay, it would give so too on, much hold away, on, but, um, yeah, but it's, that's fine. It's basically like, I mean, it has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes and there was all this like, what, what kind of disappointed me is that there was a bunch of talk about like, at, like people who saw like, oh, like half the theater passed out at Sundance and people like vomited from watching it and it's so violent and it's so gross and it totally, totally was not, like, I guess all the people that passed out when they saw it had only been watching, like, Looney Tunes for their entire lives up until seeing this, I can guess, because it was not that bad. There's, like, a couple scenes that had me, like, squirming a little bit in my seat, but I was never, like, oh, I need to throw up, or, oh, I think I'm going to pass out, or, you know, I, I never, like, looked away from the screen. It was all fine, but I do have to say that the movie was not nearly as good as I thought it was going to be. It's still a good movie, and I recommend it if, you know, a, a coming-of-age cannibal story sounds up your alley, um, but uh, I, I recommend it, but it's just, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, um, but it's still, it's still pretty superb. Um, definitely not for everyone, because I can't imagine that a wide audience, a very wide audience would want to go see a movie like this, but, um, it's, it's pretty great. It is uh, written and directed by a woman and it's, you know, the, much like the video game industry, the film industry is massively dominated by men in every field. So it's cool to see, 
uh, a writer and directorial debut from uh, a female filmmaker that stars uh, two like women who are uh, sisters in the movie. So it's it's good. I liked it. Um, but uh, yeah, not not as good as I thought it was going to be, but still pretty great. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I'm always interested in stuff like that. Um, I probably will catch it when it comes to, uh, you know, Netflix or iTunes or something. I probably will not see that in the theater uh, because it's kind of an ordeal for me to get out to a theater. But uh, I had heard of it and I heard it was okay. So hearing you say it's still okay, I'm going to leave it on my my list of stuff. Um, Since we're kind of already just organically in the banter section, I'm just going to go ahead and roll ahead with mine unless you had anything else you wanted to toss in. Nope. Hangovers and movies is about all I want to talk about. Good combo, good combo. <laughs> I will also just really quickly talk about um, a movie that I saw. I talked about it a while ago. I mentioned that I was going to see it a couple episodes back, and I just didn't have time, didn't have time, didn't have time. Finally, just like pushed everything in my life aside and made time. And I watched uh, Train to Busan, uh, I think it was last night or the night before. Um, have you heard of this movie, Corey? Do you know about it? Yeah, you're keeping uh, you're keeping on trend here because this is the zombie movie, right? So we're going to go from a cannibal movie into a zombie movie. This is like the Korean zombie Ex- movie, right? Exactly. So this is a film uh, made by made in Korea, starring Koreans, and it is a zombie movie. It is about a father who uh, is getting a divorce, and he currently has custody of uh, their small daughter. I think she. I mean, she looks like she's maybe like shit, I don't know, like eight or nine, maybe something like that. I could be wrong. Maybe a little bit younger than that. Anyway, the father has custody and he's like a high powered businessman. He's kind of a schmuck, um, not really giving the daughter as much attention as she wants. And so she wants to go see her mom. Her mom lives in the town of Busan, which is like an hour away by train. So the dad uh, initially says no. The daughter kind of guilts him into it. He finally, uh, you know, acquiesces because he realizes he's being a shitty dad. So they get on the train to Busan and they go. But at the same time, a nearby... Uh, research facility has an accident, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you can all guess where it goes from there. So basically, it's about them on this train ride. Um, I don't want to give the whole thing away, but, you know, at some point, an infected person makes it on the train, complicates everybody's life. (laughs) The train is going at high speed to this town, but then all of a sudden, like, the rest of the country is kind of getting overrun as well. So it's all about, you know, how these people on the train relate to each other, uh, going from normal, you know, from from strangers that don't know each other on the train to people who have to work together to survive. Um, there's also a really strong uh, parental element, as I'm sure you can guess. Uh, I thought it was very good. Everybody told me it was very good, and I'm happy to say that it was very good. Um, I thought the performances were all great. I mean, I laughed a lot, but it was it was not a funny movie. But there was humor, which I appreciate because even. In the darkest times, uh, you know, you have to laugh a little bit. That's just how humans are. So there were definitely some laughs, uh, lots of some scares. Uh, It was pretty bloody. And the zombies were the type where they're very fast. So they're kind of like the running type zombie. But also people turned really quickly. Like if you got bitten, you turned within like 30 seconds. So it was like super fast. There was no like corpses laying around for a day and then all of a sudden getting up later after nobody was around. Like it was like you got bitten and then all of a sudden... You know, before you knew it, like everybody in the train was a fucking zombie. So it was great. I really thought it was um, very well done from start to finish. Really liked the way that it ended. It was very strong. Lots of feels. Uh, my <laughs> wife was pissed at me for watching it because she did not like how it ended. Uh, I thought it ended really strong. Uh, she has a much lower tolerance for um, dark movies than I do. She's not a horror fan in general. Um, she'll watch them if I, you know, if I kind of cajole her into it. But it's not her jam. So she was mad at me for watching that one. 
Um, and I had to apologize. We're gonna watch a rom com or something next. But I thought it was great. It's on. It's on Netflix for free. I think it's excellent. It's two hours, but man, it is just so full of twists and turns and unexpected shit and just action and everything. I mean, I thought it was really, really good. Definite big time thumbs up. And if you've got Netflix, you don't lose anything by watching it for free. So check it out. Again, Train to Busan. It's in the horror section, also in the foreign section, I believe. Um, just one more quick little shout out. Not a movie this time and not horror, but a TV show I've been watching on Amazon. Uh, this is a really great show for people who like something on the lighter side, if you have kids. And also, if you are a fan of a show called Pushing Daisies. Did you ever see Pushing Daisies, Corey? That was on ABC a couple years back? I have heard of it, but I never saw it. But it has a huge cult following, right? Yeah, Pushing Daisies was actually a really cool show. It's one of the shows that I kind of describe as being too smart for television. Like, it was really well written. It was really clever. Um, the themes were really smart, and I just felt like the overwhelming majority of dumbass Americans wouldn't get it, and of course they didn't get it, and it got canceled after like two seasons. It was just, it was just too smart for the common man. It had to be. I mean, it's too bad that cable TV and Netflix TV wasn't a thing back then because I feel like that's really where it would have found a good audience. Um, but yeah, just on regular like ABC at nine o'clock or something, it was not going to connect with um, America. Anyway, uh, that show is not connected to the show I want to talk about, which is called. Gordimer Gibbons Life on Normal Street and that's an Amazon exclusive but they have very much in common the tone the sharp writing the 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 silliness of it the slight horror not really horror but the creepiness of it um so Gordimer Gibbons Life on Normal Street like I said it's kind of lighter it's kind of fun it's good for kids but it's also a little bit of a I want to say magical realism it's about this these three kids who live on Normal Street but of course like all this crazy stuff happens it's like Everything is fine and everything is totally like run of the mill. But then like one thing will happen that'll be totally like supernatural or unexplained or like bizarre. And that kind of gives like each episode their impetus. Like each episode they'll find like a ghost or they'll find a haunted artifact or they'll find, you know, some legend come to life or something. And so it's kind of like these three kids kind of dealing with regular life with just a slight twist to it. But it's not scary. It's not creepy i mean it's just it's just very very little just enough magical to kind of keep the series going and i think that the people who act on the show are very good i think each show has a little bit of a moral which is nice and there's enough of an edge to it to really make it interesting for grown-ups it's not just like a straight up like kind of pablum kids show like there's a little bit of an edge to it tiny bit of edge so it's really good um the only complaint i have about this show so far is like it's really white like it's painfully white <laughs> so like the only person of color on the entire show is I think there's like one black girl who like lives on their street and she only shows up like every third episode or something. So I wouldn't have minded a little bit more diversity or even a little bit more um, women on the show. There's only it's two boys and a girl and they're kind of the core cast and they do a great job. I mean, I think it's, it's a really fun show. Um, just a shame it's not a little bit more diverse, but otherwise I definitely recommend it. If you have a young one or a kid who wants to maybe look at some scary stuff, but is maybe not quite ready to handle it. Or if you're looking for a family show that is actually fun for parents to watch, too. So I really like it a lot. Gordimer Gibbons, Life on Normal Street. Currently an Amazon exclusive. Have you ever heard of this show, Corey? I have not. Not until tonight. I didn't hear about it either until about maybe a month ago. And I'm not sure how I found out about it. I think I got an email from Amazon saying, hey, we think you would like this. So, you know, they're like sales AI algorithm or whatever somehow figured out that I would kind of like that show. And I do, but I've never heard of it before, but apparently it's been on for a while. I think they're up to season four 
And I'm guessing that like uh, a lot of people do know about it because once I started asking around, uh, mostly like other homeschool parents or other parents kind of in the same boat, they're like, oh yeah, we love that show. And I'm like, oh, I must be like the only person in my circle who like didn't know about the show. So anyway, 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 good show. Also Train to Busan, excellent movie. And I think that's going to do it for our banter. Uh, let's get down to business, man. We've got a packed show, and I know that we are both kind of on the clock tonight. Let's start talking about what we are here for. Video games. Corey, it seems like you've been playing a lot. You've had a pretty busy week. Let's just get into it, man. Why don't you start us off with Blackwood Crossing? You want to talk about Blackwood? Yeah, let's talk about it. Right on. Go for it, dude. Um, I had had my eye on this game a tiny, tiny bit, and then you asked me if I wanted to review it, and I said yes. So it is. Uh, so thank you for that, because... Um, I, you know, I like reviewing games for you. But um, this is a game called Blackwood Crossing. It's on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. It came out on April 4th uh, by Paper7, a developer I've never heard of before. But uh, it's 16 bucks, And it is a... I feel like we've got a real... Um, we've got a real theme going on tonight's show because we talked about... We talked about cannibals, and then we talked about that led into zombies on trains into magical children... And Blackwood Crossing is a story about kind of magical children on a train. How weird. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> no zombies. That was, that's, that's unexpected. Weird. <laughs> All right, go on, go on. I'm listening. I'm intrigued. It is. Uh, Blackwood Crossing is a first-person narrative game, a.k.a. walking simulator. Um, it is about you play a young woman named Scarlet, and she is a, I think she's British. Um, she's probably like 18 or 19, somewhere in there. Um, and she's on a train with her little brother named Finn. And he's about, I don't know, maybe like 14, 13, somewhere in there. And she wakes up on the train. Uh, they're, it doesn't really make it clear where they're taking the train to. And he, like, wants, wants to, like, run off and play, like, hide-and-seek with her. And she's kind of like, oh, Finn, like, stop. You know, you need to behave. And so she ends up kind of chasing him around the train a little bit. And then the more that they move about the train, the more it becomes clear that the game might not be taking place in reality. Like maybe it is in um, her head or maybe it's in a dream or maybe it's in like something else. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but um, the the game is just about, it's about her Scarlet's relationship with Finn and about uh, their relationship with their parents and their grandparents and like one of their teachers and, um, and like, uh, one of, uh, like Scarlett's ex-boyfriend, it kind of like explores their relationship together and their family and some other people that they know throughout this sort of like dream-like train ride. But sometimes it's not on the train. Like they get off and they're in like, they spend time in the treehouse that they're, uh, that they lived in or not lived in, but like was in their backyard, I guess. And, uh, just, just some other places from like their childhood. And, um, it's, uh, it was pretty good. I liked it. Um, I thought that maybe it was going to be really sad. And there are some parts in it that are sad, but I did not come close to like, crying or anything. Um, and, gosh, I don't even know what else to say. Do you? I'm sure I've left out some big chunks. Do you have any questions that I haven't filled in yet? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I do want to say um, when I got code for this, the PR person did tell me, you know, have a box of tissues nearby. They had warned me it was a real tearjerker. Um, I do have questions, but so you didn't find it really, it didn't really touch you in that way, though? Not really. I mean, there were a couple moments where 
I, I mean, I wasn't about to like cry or anything, but I was like, wow, this is like kind of serious and kind of emotional. Um, and there's actually one moment that like is, is very happy. Like one of my favorite moments in the game, I'm not going to spoil it here just in case anybody plays it, but there's one moment in particular where Finn and Scarlet are in the treehouse together doing an activity. And it was just like a beautiful, like moment where like the thing happened and I just like looked up and like my jaw dropped and I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Um, and there's like some sad stuff in it, but it wasn't like, Oh, you know, I wasn't reaching for the box of tissues. I'm sorry to disappoint that PR person, but, uh, did not quite get on that level for me, but it got close, but not, not quite there. All right. All right. That's fair. So in terms of like gameplay, you said it was first person, right? Uh, so you just kind of go from scenes. I mean, I assume there's no combat or anything like that. You're just kind of like going from scene to scene and like what, like clicking on things or talking to your brother or please tell me there's no fucking audio logs or like files to find. Uh, I don't, not that I remember. It's mostly you walking around and you're talking to Finn. Sometimes there's dialogue choices you can make, but not a ton. And there's a really light puzzle solving in it. Um, and that's actually one thing I forgot to mention. There was one part in the game where, uh, where I got really frustrated because there's like a section where you're on the train and this like really kind of simple puzzle comes up. But I, um, I couldn't figure out how to solve the puzzle and I felt like a fucking idiot. And because the, there was like one thing that I needed to look at and interact with and it just wasn't connecting in my head. So I walked back and forth on these train cars for like 15 or 20 minutes trying to figure this fucking puzzle out on a, a, on a puzzle that should have taken me like 30 seconds. And it was really unfortunate because I was enjoying my time with it. And then that kind of like ruined the experience a little bit. And it was totally my fault, but I just hit this like brick wall and felt like an idiot. And then I was just like frustrated for the next like hour or hour and a half of playing the game. And I was just like, man, like I would have enjoyed this game a lot more if I had not been so stupid or if I had realized that this puzzle was such an easy thing to solve and I hadn't wasted so much time. But there's a little bit of puzzle solving like that. Um, most of it is pretty easy. A lot of it is talking to people or doing... Um, there's like a call and response puzzle system sometimes where there's like figures of people that Finn and Scarlet know. And when you walk up to them, you like click on them and they say something. And like there will be like eight people in the area and they each have a line of dialogue. But you have to like click on, say like the mom and then the grandma and you realize that one of them is saying something and the other person is um is responding to it so you have to figure out like like it's like a matching dialogue thing where you have to um click on the people whose dialogue matches and then their bodies sort of like um i guess disintegrate or something like the puzzle gets solved essentially and some of those were fun but i felt like the game did it a little bit too much like there's a section toward the end where all the people are spread out pretty far and this like kind of like courtyard area so i i you just have to like do a lot of running around and like click on the person and then you're like okay well i think that dialogue goes with what like the the teacher said over here and then you go back over there and click on the teacher to respond and then it's like not the right person and then you have to like go back and go back and that got a little bit old but um i mean that's the bulk of the kind of like puzzle solving and gameplay for it i guess so overall i mean uh i guess uh just to kind of wrap it up here, how long was it? And as, as you got to the end, I mean, did you feel like 
it wrapped up satisfactorily? Do you feel like it was a good um, a good thing to sit through? Do you feel like it was worth it? Or, you know, I mean, is it one of those where somebody had an idea that was only half-baked and didn't quite get there? Like, how long and, and how did you feel about it overall? Would you recommend it, basically? Uh, I would recommend it. Um, if you are the kind of person like me who likes, you know, these kind of walking simulator narrative uh, adventure games, because I, I, like, lap these up. Like, I love them. Um, it was not... Um, it didn't feel half-baked. Um, the, the script is all right. The voice acting is pretty excellent, actually. Um, however, I don't think it wrapped up super well. Um, I, like, I don't know. I can't really expand upon that without giving it away, but I kind of wish that it had ended a little bit differently. Like, I was almost, because the game seems sort of dreamlike, I was hoping that there would be some kind of, like, sci-fi twist like the whole time i was playing and i was sort of thinking about that movie um uh the cell with jennifer lopez do you remember that movie i remember it, but i have not seen it it's on my list of bad movies to see because everybody says it sucks, first of all i do want to see it still first of all it's amazing so don't listen to anybody who says it's <laughs> bad second of all okay. like the whole the movie the whole point of the movie is like uh Jennifer Lopez is this like FBI agent and there's a serial killer who's in a coma and somebody invents this machine where she can like, it's kind of like Inception where she can like dive into his mind and she has to like infiltrate his like fucked up serial killer mind to um, like figure out where his like latest victim is captured or something. And I was kind of hoping this game would go there because it seems like the game is taking place inside somebody's head rather than in reality. And I was like, Ooh, wouldn't it be cool if like, there if like Scarlet's in a coma or something or you know something crazy like that and and like that doesn't necessarily happen so I was a little bit disappointed but I can't really blame that on the game because I wanted it to be like hokey like that and then it ended up you know wasn't that but I still recommend it I think it's a good not the best walking simulator I've ever played but far from the worst so um you know it's pretty pretty uh above average but not not magical or anything well, don't give up hope. There may be some Jennifer Lopez DLC in the future. You never, <laughs> never know. Um, so that sounds pretty good. Once again, that was Blackwood Crossing, released April 4th by Paper 7 on PS4, Xbox One, PC for $15.99. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, I'm going to segue really quickly into my first game of the night, Lego City Undercover. That is also... Uh, released, well, okay, the second iteration of LEGO City Undercover, released on April 4th, developed by TT Games or uh, Traveler's Tales. That is, uh, this new version, which I'm about to talk about tonight, came out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC uh, for $59.99. Now, if this sounds familiar, that's because it was originally a Wii U exclusive, and that was released, I want to say, in 2015, Maybe 2014. So it was only for the Wii U, and you could only play it on that big dip, dippy gamepad <laughs> and like all that motion shit. Um, but I actually, uh, at the time when it came out, I, my son was really into the Lego games, and so I picked it up, and I thought it was really great. In fact, I thought it was the best Lego game I had ever played at that time. Uh, and I always thought it was a real shame that it was Wii U exclusive because I knew plenty of people who probably would enjoy this game but did not have a Wii U. And so they were never going to play it. And I thought I always thought that was just really like a real big disappointment. So I'm very happy to see it get this re-release. It's been touched up a little bit. I don't know exactly like what's different. I mean, it seems like for the most part, it's exactly the same game. It seems like a few new things have been added, like uh, some new costumes for the main character. Um, when my son was sitting watching me play through it, he, he noticed a few things that were different, but... 
Uh, I don't know if that was really correct. Maybe our memories are failing us. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, let me just get let me just get to the meat of this thing. Lego City Undercover is a Lego game. So if you've played a Lego game at any point in like the last, I don't know, eight, ten years, you you know basically what to expect. This one, though, is kind of like Grand Theft Auto, except instead of playing a villain, you play as a police officer. You play as the heroic Chase McCain, who is a, you know, <laughs> red-blooded, all-American-ish, although, you know, I guess Lego's not American. But, uh, you know, police officer in some city. He comes to the cities after bad guy Rex Fury, and it's all very, very uh, Lego Lego-ish. I don't know if you know this, Corey, but Lego has like a hojillion animated movies. Do you ever have you ever seen any of the Lego shows, the TV shows, or the movies? Uh, I mean, I've seen the Lego movie. Does that count? <laughs> I mean, that totally counts. But if you go to Netflix or if you go to like some of those online streaming, there's like a thousand Lego shows that I never knew existed. I would have never known except for my son finding those. So Lego has been doing a lot of like stuff like this for a long time, like. Uh, really focusing on narrative stuff and expanding their brand. Um, they do a pretty good job of it. So anyway, you play as Chase McCain. He's in the city, basically like Grand Theft Auto. The whole world is open world. You can go anywhere you want, right from, well, almost anywhere you want, right from the start. Uh, there's a campaign, fully fleshed campaign, which has uh, all different uh, cutscenes and scripted events. The voice acting, I think, is fabulous. It's very good. I think the uh, action is very good. It's very approachable for kids. Uh, basically, you're going to be running around, uh, hitting stuff, uh, you know, breaking it up into Lego parts, rebuilding things. You can hijack cars, except, you know, when you hijack one, you're just like, police emergency, excuse me. So you're doing it in a really friendly way, even though you're still kicking people out of the car. Um, there's all sorts of side, I mean, tons of side quests, tons of like things to do and find. Every part of the city is uh, filled with these little, little exploratory rewards like if you poke your nose into uh, nooks and crannies you're going to find stuff there um overall it's really good and i think what i like the most about it is that it feels like a very curated experience whereas some of these other lego games um the more recent ones i feel like um I, and i haven't played them all so i'm not going to speak like i have like i've played every single lego game but i played a lot of them and i feel like sometimes they get a little haphazard or sometimes they just don't feel like they've taken enough care to really walk the player through it. I can remember being stuck in a few Lego games where I'm thinking, this is like a kid's game. Why am I stuck? This is dumb. What's going on? But Lego City Undercover, I feel like it goes the extra mile in making sure that the player knows what's going on. I mean, aimed at kids, again, obviously. This is not something that an experienced player is going to perhaps appreciate because you know everything to do and you've been through it all and you've got skills. But if you're looking through it uh, or looking at it through a kid's eyes, I can. I really appreciate the time and care and attention they've taken. So, you, you're in the open world for the most of it, but when you go into like a story mission, they really like sandbox you into like a very small, discrete area, and then they make sure that everything in that area is is doable for you. So, instead of getting lost because you don't know where to go or if you don't know what the next thing to do is, it's all very clear. So, when you're on the story campaign missions, they really are interested in keeping you moving forward. They don't want to stop you for very long. If you get stuck, there's always a hint or something. Um, and it's just great. I mean, I think the cutscenes are hilarious. I genuinely laughed out loud more than a couple times. I think the sense of humor is very good. Like I said, the voice acting is very good. Like every single line of game and the, uh, every single line of dialogue in the game is, is voice acted. And uh, it just controls really well. It's very polished. It's beautiful. I mean, it is perhaps not the bleeding edge of graphics because, like I said, this is a three or four year old game or, or something like that. And originally on the Wii U. It's not gotten a complete top-to-bottom overhaul, but it looks it looks sharp on the PS4. 
And it also has drop-in co-op, so if you are a parent with a child, you can play together. Or if you're just, you know, partners, or you have a friend over, or anything, like, they can drop in, drop out, no big deal. And it's all co-op, it's really fun, so... It's not anything that will revive your interest in Lego if you're one of those people who has played every single Lego game and you're kind of Legoed out. Like, I know that feeling. Uh, but I always thought this was one of the best ones, and I've skipped, like, the last three or four Lego releases, so I was still kind of, like, not too burned out on them. Uh, I think it's a good one. I think it's really good. I'm very glad that it came to other platforms, and I would definitely recommend it if you're not burned out on Lego or if you want one that is really fun for kids. The, the open world really lends itself very well for kids just screwing around. And so if you have one of those kids who just likes to just waste time and, you know, just dink off in a game, this is perfect for that. So very, very well done. Uh, Corey, are you, have you played this one or are you a Lego games fan at all? I don't think I've ever played one of the Lego games. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I know, I definitely know what they are. Like, you know, third person sort of platforming and action and collecting stuff. Um, if I were to play one, this is probably maybe the one that I would go to. Um, but I probably, I mean, as we've established on the show about 600 times, I'm far too uh, manly to play these little kid games. So uh, I just, you know, I just don't think I can do it, Brad. Yeah, you're too, you're too much of a man's man to do that. <laughs> I, I, it might, too much testosterone to get through this game. But if you did, if you did... This would definitely be the one to play. And for those people listening, I mean, I can't imagine that people listening to the show haven't played a Lego game yet. But if you haven't, this is this is really the perfect one to jump in on. I think it's I think it's seriously like one of the best ones they've ever done. And I think the thing that really makes it so good is that it's not tied to any franchise. Like they've done like Lego Marvel superheroes, they've done Lego Lord of the Rings, they've done Lego Harry Potter. All those all those tie-ins, I mean they're fine and sometimes it's cool like, as a fan of the movies to relive those things through Lego or to see them add like the Lego sense of humor. But as far as I know, and I could be, I could be wrong, but I think this is the only one they've done that is like a hundred percent original, like solely, you know, solely a video game property, not based on anything. And I think that helped. I think they took some license with it. I think it freed them up from having to like slavishly meet some of those expectations that those IPs have. And it just has a really good sense of humor. Like as you're playing this game, it really feels like the developers gave a damn. Like it really feels like, like they were having fun making it. So um, I know that's kind of like a, a vague nebulous thing. And, I, you know, I'd be really hard pressed to, to give you an example of why I say that. But just just going through the whole thing, it's got a good vibe. It's got a good energy. It's really it feels it feels good. Like just everything about it feels like some love and attention has been taken in a way that maybe some other, um, you know, contract work might not feel. So, I mean, I, I like it a lot. I recommend it. Um, it's not going to re re revive your love of Lego if you're tired of it, but if you're not tired of it, I think it's a great way to go. So Lego City Undercover, once again, uh, was just re-released on April 4th, uh, PS4, Xbox One, PC, and it was originally on Wii U, $59.99, which brings us to our next game in Corey. Oh man, man, I am dying to hear about this, but I'm also really afraid. I'm very afraid because... You've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn, and I don't know at all what you think about it. I saw you <laughs> tweeting. I saw you tweeting about it, and I'm like, nope, nope, not going to look at his Twitter feed, not going to scroll down, not going to ask about it, because I want to come into this fresh. I wanted to come to this discussion fresh. Uh, but I am I am on pins and needles, my friend. I really, really, really want to know, Horizon Zero Dawn, how far are you? What do you think? What's your take? Uh, and be honest. Let's hear it, sir. Brad, I have some 
heartbreaking bad news oh, for you. Oh no! Oh no! What do you oh, think no. I'm gonna say? Uh, you're gonna you love it. I bet you love it. I I like it a lot. I do not love it, but I'm about. 17 hours in i think oh you're past that point of like good times too oh yeah. you really like it then well, don't you here, here's the thing okay so eh, i i don't think horizon zero dawn is groundbreaking in any way shape or form but it is filling the same space in my life right now that i get from games like like fallout 4 or um I don't know, just like big open world games where there's a lot of shit to do where I don't I don't really care all that much about the story, but I kind of like don't really have anything else pressing to play right now, which is kind of a backhanded compliment. Um, so I'm more than happy to just turn this on, play, um, go, uh, you know, scale the satellite dish drafts. It's like my favorite thing to do in the game. And um and just play it like I can. It's one of those games where I just like a fallout where I turn it on and I'm like, all right, just one more quest, just one more. And then like three hours have gone by and I'm like, oh, yeah, it was just that one quest I was going to do, wasn't it? And it's like 4 a.m. and I'm like halfway up, I don't know, scaling another giraffe or something. But uh, but I, I like it. Um, I don't think it's groundbreaking. I If you've played any open world game in the past... Uh, I don't know, 10 years. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, I know we talked about it like a month ago when you played it, but it, it stars a young woman named Aloy. She is an outcast and sort of a futuristic, um, like it's sort of like an I am legend, um, like humanity is gone, but it's like everything's grown over with, you know, grass and weeds and stuff. And there are like robot animals that look uh, modeled after real animals out in the world and you like hunt them and you can like hack them and then there's like other factions in the area that aren't so nice um so it's got a strong like kind of native american vibe um reminds me a lot of far cry primal like if you took far cry primal and um and like tomb raider the reboot and like fused them together that's pretty much exactly what this game is um I, uh, gosh, I mean, now that you know that I like it, Brad, do you have any questions about certain things? Yeah, man, I want to pick your brain about this a little bit. So, okay, so you're 17 hours in. That's a pretty good chunk. I mean, you're past, I mean, I thought the first five or six hours were really good, and then it kind of fell apart for me. I mean, you say you're not too invested in the story. I got several questions. We're going to do these in an order. <laughs> um, so, like, are you paying attention at all to the story, or do you just, like, full-on just, like, really not care? Uh, I... I'm paying enough attention, but I like my stakes for the game aren't that high. I um, it's kind of one of those games where, and this is really sad, but I do this with a lot of games where, like, you know, I'll play, 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 and then as soon as a cutscene starts, I'll like grab my phone and start like scrolling through Twitter while the cutscene is playing because I kind of like don't really care a whole lot about the characters. Um, I tend to because there are a lot of situations in the game where you can talk to people, and it does like the Mass Effect thing where you can like you can uh, do, like, several dialogue options with them. Like, you can ask them about, like, you know, eight different things. And I noticed that I tend to not ask people that many questions. Like, if this were Mass Effect, I would ask, like, everybody everything I could possibly ask them ever. But in this game, I'll maybe hit, like, one optional thing, and then I'll, like, uh, you know, and then I'll just be like, all right, I have to be on my way now, and I'll leave. Um, but, uh... Yeah, yeah, I did the same thing, honestly. I noticed that, um... Well, okay, so, like, for me... 
I saw a lot of people like really selling the story hard. Like they were like, oh my God, this is a great story. I'm so invested. I really can't wait to see where this goes. I'm just really into it. And that, I found that really weird, man, because I mean, like what you're saying makes sense to me, especially knowing who you are. So I'm not surprised by that. But like when I was going through the story, I was like, oh my God, this is like so cliche and so predictable. I mean, if you've read, I mean, I mean, I've read a lot of sci-fi books, so maybe I know or I'm just more used to some of these tropes or whatever, but it's like none of this was really surprising and it wasn't really that interesting. And I found like a lot of the characters like really forgettable. Like I couldn't remember anybody's name. And like, have you gotten to the city that's in the desert yet? I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's the Karja city. Like, it's, it's like the big, the, the real big city. Have you gotten to that? Yeah. The one that's like way up high on all the bridges and stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, like, by the time I got to that point, I was, like, fully checked out of the story. Like, I just, I couldn't care. And, like, they were they were talking about, like, one of the tribes is called the Karja, and then there's, like, the evil guys, and they're called the Shadow Karja. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Like, really? You went with Shadow Karja? Like, that's, like, the most ridiculous, absurd name. But I just, I just couldn't get invested. I mean, do you remember anybody's name in this story besides Aloy at all? Uh, I remember Teb, who's the guy that she saves and she's a little girl and then he becomes like the stitcher for the tailor. Okay. Yeah, that guy. I like yeah. Okay. Sure. I wish he had a little bit of a bigger role. Um, uh, the T the woman who named you or who did the ritual for naming. Um, and, uh, uh, Orin, is that his name? The guy who um, you're after for part of the game, who like scanned you with this like eyepiece thing. Right, right, right. Okay, so you're already you're doing better than me because I literally could not name like I could maybe name. No, I could have said the <laughs> Taylor guy. I would not have remembered his name. Like I couldn't remember anybody's name. Like I just was not into it. So that was that was a big issue for me because in a game like this, um, if the story is not hooking me, then it really falls to the gameplay, like, absolutely to keep me interested. And I got to say, I did not find the gameplay interesting. I really want to know your take on the combat, because to me, I felt like the combat was really messy and it could be very chaotic. Um, the problem that I had was, like, it just got boring. Like, if you hit in a patch of grass, these magical patches of grass where you're, like, <laughs> invisible... You have to, like, lure lure monsters over. You kill them, like, one by one. You whittle the herd down. Then you eventually go after the thing you want to go after. Like, it's fine the first, like, 10 or 15 times. And then it just kind of gets old. Like, it's not that interesting anymore. And then later on, um, when you're in the desert, there's not really all that many places to hide. And I found that um, I would get swarmed really easily. Like, I would take a few um, animals out, and then I would start a fight with a bigger one. But then, like, some other wandering ones would be nearby. And they would come in and, like, swoop in. And I felt like it just it just got to be really hectic and busy and kind of like chaotic in a way that I didn't really appreciate. I mean, what is your take on the combat so far? Stealth-wise, straight-up combat, or just in general? I mean, how much are you engaging in it, and how satisfying do you find it? I am really going back and forth on the combat a lot. Um, sometimes I think it's good, but most of the time I think it's just like average or like slightly below average, because what I have a problem with is that I, I don't mind sneaking around, and I don't mind being stealthy. I actually think it's quite thrilling to like hide in the magic stealth grass and like wait for one of like the deer monsters or something or robots to like get out of the way. And then you walk up and you can, um, you can scan them with your little staff thing and like convert them as an ally. Or you can do like, there's a stealth kill that you can uh, buy as an upgrade. And I really like that. Um, I like kind of going through and thinning the robotic herd, if you will. Um, but whenever like, shit like hits the fan and you are like it's like balls to the wall fighting i'm not as impressed with that because the, like 
you have a lot of weapons you can buy in the game. Like you have the bow and arrow. Um, you have a, I have like a little, it's kind of like a spear gun kind of thing that shoots like a few spears at, uh, with each trigger pull. It's kind of like a shotgun. Um, and I have like uh, a slingshot essentially that like lobs bombs at them, at the enemies. And, and she has her default melee weapon, which is like a spear staff thing that she can like swing around. You could do a light attack or a heavy attack. And, I find that I use the spear a lot for melee attacks because the game sort of, I mean, the game, I feel like the game kind of tells you to do that because that is what inflicts the most damage unless you're doing like straight up like bombing them with the slingshot thing. Um, but I just, I, I the, the combat is really messy whenever you start getting into the, the melee stuff because sometimes you have to hit the things a lot to kill them. And it's usually like, you try to do a combo and then you have to like roll your ass out of the way like 500 times to get out of the way of the enemy. And then you like roll back and shoot and try to like use the spear thing. And I, it kills me that you cannot upgrade the spear. Like you, you can buy upgrades for the bows and you can modify the bows and the other long range weapons with little like modifier pins that you get. Um, but you can't do anything to the staff. You can like, like up the damage a little bit by like 15 and 30%, but that's only for like the stealth strikes and for like the hits from above because I made the mistake of buying one of those and I was like, oh cool, it'll up the damage by 15%. Like that'll be really helpful because I use the melee staff a lot. But then I was like, oh, it's just for the stealth attacks like, or or the, the you know, jumping onto somebody and them, which I never use those or like the, the death from above or below kind of thing. I never use those attacks. So it kind of kills me that you that they didn't really give you any options to either buy better staffs or upgrade the staff because that's the weapon I use the most. And I just thought that was like such a strange missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I agree that the combat is pretty messy. And I think that I think it's not nearly as good as people are giving it credit for. Like, I think people are kind of confusing, like being hectic with being really good and strategic. And I find that like when the, like you said, like when the shit hits the fan, I think that things really fall apart. I, I thought that the combat shined best when you were going like one-on-one -on -one with like one of the big monsters. So it was kind of like more of a duel or like more of like a monster hunter type situation. Uh, but I, overall, I'm not really a big fan of it. And I, I, I do want to ask like, what's your take on the crafting? I mean, for me, I felt like there was too much crafting in the game. Like I felt like there was too many items where they didn't feel like significant or important. And there was just too much busy work of collecting all these different things. Like to me, that really didn't add anything to the game. And it actually kind of took away. I kind of would have preferred if they had had like fewer weapons, but each one felt more important or more distinct. And that it was more of a big deal when you got one, but it's like, you get like, I don't know, like 12 or 15 or whatever different like suits of armor. And they all kind of look like the same piece of crap. And I tried a few of them. I couldn't really tell a difference in like what they were supposed to be giving me in terms of bonuses or whatever i mean do you find i mean did you really engage much with the the crafting and all the the various upgrades you could do like to your carrying bag and all your different things i mean what do you think it was busy work or did you you're actually liking some of that well i actually do i like some of it but i also have i mean like everything with this game is like oh i like this thing but i also have a lot of problems with it because there's a few things that whenever you're talking about that that i just remembered that i wanted to call out because the inventory system in this game is the fucking dumbest inventory system i've like ever not ever seen in a game but it's up there because when you go to her inventory menu, there's like several different kind, like she has like her weapon menu and her outfit menu and her resources menu and like her traps menu and her bombs menu and her ammo menu. And 
you only have a certain amount of slots for each one, but you can use things in the world, much like in the Far Cry games, to uh, like craft like a bigger ammo pouch or a bigger like resource pouch or whatever. So that was one of the first things I did was like craft resource a uh, bigger resource pouch because you pick up shit all the time in the game, and like I kept maxing out my inventory slots, but it but it doesn't make any sense because. Like, you can buy or pick up these, like, reward boxes in the game, and you have to open the reward box, and then you get the shit that's in it, but sometimes if the reward box, say if it has, like, a health potion in it, and your health potions are already maxed, then you keep the reward box on you until you use a health potion, and then you reopen it and store the health potion now that you have a free slot, and it just, like doesn't make any fucking sense like she has all these rooms on her i don't know waist to like carry these boxes around but can't like fit another potion in her bag like i, I get what the game is doing but it's being like really fucking video gamey about it and i also um oh shit what was i gonna say um the the crafting itself i i don't know i'm like okay with it i mean i don't have a problem with going around and collecting stuff and like salvaging the robots after i killed them because it kind of ticks those like kind of video gamey boxes in my head. Like I like getting resources. I like, um, I like crafting and I like that the crafting isn't that difficult. Like if you want more ammo, you just like hold L1 to bring up the weapon wheel. And then you just like hold X on the type of ammo you want. So you can like do it in real time to craft ammo. But what I don't like is having to do that all the time because like my slingshot only shoots like, it only holds like six, uh, like bombs at a time in it's ammo pouch. So if I'm fighting anything big and ridiculous, I like, I'm having to bring up the weapon wheel like every, I don't know, 30 seconds and craft more ammo. And I kind of wish it would just like craft it for me if I run out or something. Um, and also the, I've got like major problems with the story because the story I think in and of itself is just like, okay, I guess like, it's like, Oh, like a woman warrior coming of age. I'm interested in the world and I'm really interested in, how the robots came to be and like what is in the core of the world that's like powering them and building them. Like there are sections of the game where you can go into these like mechanical caves, these kind of like Tron like caves and you learn more about the robots every time you go in them. And I really like those dungeon segments and I like that it's kind of giving you a little more like sci-fi lore. It's got a very Assassin's Creed edge that way because it's like, it's sort of like a native American, like primal hunting game, but it's also like, Hey, we've got these robots in the sci-fi edge. But what I don't like is Really, really early on in the game, she finds this device called a focus, which, much like the Shadow Karja, the word focus, like, every time she says focus, I want to, like, shove my fist through the TV because it's the stupidest name ever. It's, like, this little <laughs> earpiece that clips above her ear, and it basically, it's, like, a sci-fi, like, almost like a Bluetooth headset thing where it, yeah, like... Yeah, it's like a Bluetooth iPhone, yeah, basically. Yeah, and it, like, sc she can, like, scan the world, and she can use it to mark targets, and it's, like, really cool. It's a nice, like, little gameplay device, but what I don't like is that, like, she's, like, eight years old, and she finds the focus in this cave when she falls down into it, and then her dad, his name, or I guess it's her dad, I haven't learned if it's really her dad or not, but Ross, the guy who raises her, he's, like, she, like, comes out of the cave, and he's, like, oh, what's that on your ear? Like, give it to me. You don't need to have that. And she's like, no. And then he's just like, okay, I guess you can have it. She's like eight years old. And he like makes no further attempt to like take it from her. And then like later on in the game, she like goes through, she goes through this big like trial thing where she has to like compete against these other people of her, um, like in other tribes and uh, like do these challenges to try to come in first and like kill things. It's kind of like Olympics or something. 
And like she has this like super like sci-fi earpiece and nobody else does. And like nobody makes a big deal about it. And there's like sections where people are like, oh, but you're you're like the ultimate tracker and you're so good at this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, because she's got a fucking earpiece on that's doing all the work for her. Like, it's not like she's actually good at any of this stuff. She has a fucking magic eye that like highlights animal tracks and like shows people behind walls. And I just think it's so weird that like <laughs> the game never addresses the fact that she has this like gigantic heads up on it, everybody from having this like little earpiece because only like one other person in the game has it. And everybody's just like, oh, like, she's she's so good. She's so unexpected. And I'm like, yeah, because she's fucking, it's like, I don't know, like, saying somebody who, like, has a helicopter, like, oh, wow, they can really get around. And it's like, yeah, well, you fucking have this, like, extra thing that nobody else has. And I, that's just, like, something that really, really fucking annoys me about the whole game is that it tries to make it sound like she's, like, really good at all this stuff, but she has, like, this magic thing that helps her basically in everything she does and oh, god damn it i was gonna say something else but now i can't remember what i was gonna say but that no i get where you're, i get where you're coming from i mean to be fair you know i i actually do become the world's best tracker when i'm using the gps on my iphone so i do <laughs> i do share that sense of power but um i mean i think in terms of story i think they did address it like once or twice where i think that most people don't even know what it is like i think they think it's just an earring and i think it's only people who have who who know will recognize the advantage that it gives to her. Like, I, I get what you're saying where people are like, oh my God, she's amazing and she does all these things. So maybe it would have been a cool beat and maybe it does come in later because uh, I didn't finish this game. I got bored of it and I bailed. I mean, maybe if she had like a kind of a moment where she's like, oh, am I really earning these things or is it just this focus that's giving me this advantage? I don't know if she ever comes to a realization like that. I mean, maybe that's not something the game addresses, but yeah, I hear you. I think, I think though that in the game they say most people just don't even know what it is. They think it's just like, decoration so and then she's anyway a i have a couple more things i want to say though go for it um, go for it go for it i remember what i was going to say so the game at the very beginning of the game like you talked about this whenever we talked about it like a month ago or so it like beats you over the head with this idea that like aloy is like an outcast and they've been shunned from the village and like nobody should talk to them and it's just like like i totally get what it's doing because it wants to set up this mystery about like who is she what's her past who are her real parents blah 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 why is she shunned and all this stuff but it, it beats you over the head way too much with the themes of it. And then, like, in the very first area of the game, after you kind of, like, the world opens up a tiny bit for the first few hours, it's, like, there's, like, a ton of people out on the map who you can take side quests from. And you, like, walk up to them, and almost every fucking person is, like, oh, I shouldn't be talking to you because you're an outcast. Oh, but here's these eight things I need you to do that nobody else will do. So, sure, you can do it. And it's, like... It, like, it sets up this big thing about how, like, nobody's supposed to be talking to them or associating with them or, like, looking at her or whatever. And then the game turns around and everybody's like, oh, will you do this for me and this for me and this for me, even though I'm going to tell you to your face I shouldn't be talking to you, but here's all this shit I needed you to do at thanks. And I'm just like, okay, you can't have it both ways. Like, I, I don't like the way the game is doing that. You know what that reminds me of, actually? That reminds me a lot of the most recent Deus Ex game where the whole city was supposed to be really prejudiced against Augs, people who were augmented and Jensen's, you know, lead character, Adam Jensen is an augmented person. And like, there's like, like one scene where he's getting hassled at a checkpoint or something. But like, other than that, you can basically talk to anybody and do anything and nobody really stops you. Like you never get thrown in jail because you're an Aug and no one really comes and like wrecks your shit just because. Like they kind of have that idea, but kind of just give it lip service and then they kind of drop it functionally. That's kind of what this reminded me of as well, where where they really, like you said, they beat you over the head with it when you're in the village. And as soon as you leave the village, it's like, eh, 
Whatever. I mean, yeah. Oh, you're that outcast. You're that nasty outcast. Yeah, but okay, you can do this quest for me. Go <laughs> give me these herbs. You know, it's all good. Like, don't tell, but we'll do it anyway. So it's fine. So yeah, I think they kind of. Um, I, I wish they had kind of pursued that line uh, a little bit more, but like they pretty qu- pretty quickly uh, drop it because they know they couldn't really back it up when it when it comes to the gameplay or how they they would implement it in the world, which is kind of a bummer. Indeed, um, I don't. I don't know if I have anything else to say about this game other than despite the fact that I just bitched and moaned for like 10 minutes. I do like it. I enjoy playing it. Um, not like game of the year status in any way, shape or form, but it is like, it's like that perfect, like long open world time filler that I need right now that I can play from like 10 PM to 4 AM every night and just kind of get lost in. And it's also gorgeous. It's great because it's only the second game I've played that takes uh, advantage of HDR support on my new uh, 4k TV. So it's nice. Cause the game is like super duper beautiful. Um, like this is going to sound so stupid, but I don't know how the fuck the programmers made all those grass pieces. Like the grass is just so pretty. Like it sways in the wind and the audio is really nice. And it, like, I just, I don't know how they did it. It looks so nice. Well, it is magic grass as we've covered it already <laughs> in the show. It's, it's magic. Uh, well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check in with you to see if you uh, carry it through to completion. Is that your plan? Are you planning on finishing it or are you just going to keep playing till you're bored of it? Uh, I am 100% planning to finish it right now. I don't... The game would have to do something pretty drastic to get me to stop playing it. And also, when I started it, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, I could not hit the easy difficulty button fast enough because I knew I did not want this game to be a challenge. So it's still challenging in some parts, but I think that's also helping me is the fact that I'm playing it on easy. So, I mean, it's still challenging here and there, but for the most part, it's not that bad. Like, I've only died in combat maybe, like, three or four times in the 17 hours that I've been playing it so far. Okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I would I would say play on easy for sure. So, all right, cool. We will check back in on Horizon uh, later on. Once again, that was released this year, February 28th, developed by Guerrilla Games, PS4 only. Uh, MSRP of $59.99, which brings us to the game that I would like to talk about next, in which I actually am going to make a very strong recommendation that you play, (sighs) uh, The Bunker. It was released last year, uh, September 20th, 2016, developed by Splendy Games out of the (laughs) UK. And as far as I know, this is their first and only game. I think they have one more thing they're working on now. Uh, which is also going to be an FMV full motion video game, as this one is. Um, I think their upcoming one is like a serial killer type of game. Um, But not a lot of details on that yet. Uh, The Bunker is available on PS4, Xbox One, PC. Uh, Retails for $19.99. I love this game, but I'm going to be perfectly blunt. I think $20 is too much. I think $10 would be perfect. Uh, Maybe that's going to sound harsh to some people. And I certainly don't mean to diminish the amount of work that went into this. I'm sure it was a lot of work. But just as someone who has played a million games and bought a million games, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think it's a $20 game. I think it's a $10 game. Anyway, I do like it a lot. And let me tell you why. So The Bunker, I picked it up on sale like last year. And I think I got it for, I mean, I want to say I got it for like 3 bucks or something like that. So even cheaper. Um It's a full motion video game, and I'm sure some people who are listening to this podcast may not even know what that means (laughs) because there hasn't been a lot of those lately. Uh, So in case you don't know, full motion video is where developers, um, when we first started developing CD-ROM technology back in the day, 
people were like, oh, my God, this is so much space on this disc. Oh, my God, we can fill it up with anything. And so they would take these, like, actual movies. They would have actors, real-life actors, dress up in these costumes. They would go on a set, and they would film them. And then they would either splice that into where you would push a direction at a decision point, and then it would play, like, a different clip depending on what you picked. Or they would overlay, like, video game um, visual elements on top of the film, and you would control those. Or there was all these different little... Um, permutations of how they were using this this full motion video uh but the bottom line is i think a lot of people realized it just wasn't the way that games were going to go like it just wasn't that wasn't the, the the way that wasn't the path the play opportunities were too limited it probably cost too much to to make it it didn't look that great when you finally did it, it, it there was a lot of really 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 bad fmv games um <laughs> when that was still a thing and to be honest with you, I couldn't think of a single one that I really enjoyed. If we're talking about actual actors, I was going to say maybe Dragon's Lair, but I never really liked Dragon's Lair. I just thought it looked cool. I don't think I actually really enjoyed playing that. And I honestly couldn't think of a single good FMV game that I played. People on Twitter recommended, I mean, some people shouted out Wing Commander. I've never played those. Uh, some people said Gabriel Knight 2. I've never played that, but that one got a lot of love. People said that one was very good. Uh, other people said uh, Her Story, which came out, I think, last year or the year before, was uh, a really good FMV game. I had planned to play that, but unfortunately, some asshole spoiled it for me, so I knew exactly what was what was going on in that game, and after any of the story, I didn't want to play it anymore, so I didn't play that one, but that was another one that got recommended. But, uh, Corey, before we get into the bunker have you ever played a good fmv game or, or or i guess have you ever played an fmv game you know i actually don't think i have ever played one i've played games that have fmv like cutscenes, but i don't think i've ever played like a full-on fmv game not that i can remember not that i know of i'm not surprised man i'm not surprised because like i said i feel like it's kind of a dead end but i will say that the bunker really does a good job and i think part of the reason it does such a good job is that it's not really a full-on game. I mean, it is a video game. I'm not trying to have that bullshit discussion of, oh, it's a game or it's oh, not God. a game. Like, no, no, no. It's it's a video game, for sure, period. But it's also more of, like, an interactive experience. I mean, I almost want to say it's not like a walking simulator, although it kind of is, but it's kind of like you're just watching this movie, and you do you solve very, very minor puzzles, or you click on a certain thing to advance the plot. But basically, you are... I don't even want to say that it's you... Because I don't really feel like I was the main character. I felt like I was watching the main character, if that makes any sense. But the main character is a man. His name is John. And he was born in a fallout shelter underneath England. Uh, so what happened was nuclear war broke out. These people went inside of a fallout shelter to survive. And John was born in the shelter after they were already down. So he's never been to the surface of Earth. He does not know what it looks like. He's never been up there. The only thing he knows about Earth is the stories people around him have told him. And he has a couple books and that's it. Like he's been in this concrete bunker for 30 years. So um, at, as, as the time the game starts, he's 30 years old and his mother is the only other person left alive in the bunker. She's very, very sick and she dies. So he is left alone. Now, this is not a spoiler. This happens like in the first two minutes of the, of the game. So I'm not spoiling anything really. He's left alone in the bunker and then stuff starts to happen like stuff <laughs> starts to go wrong and of course stuff's going to go wrong because what else would happen um but the thing that was really good about it was like i felt like the actor who 
did the acting. I forget his name, but he is um, someone who has done roles in feature films. He's been in Lord of the Rings. He's been in a couple TV shows. So he's like a, like an like an actual actor actor. He's not like somebody's brother in law. He's not the janitor. <laughs> like you know, like back in the day when these FMV things were being made, like it seemed like they would take anybody. Like with like people who had zero acting talent. And just stick them in front of the camera because they work cheap or something, or maybe they were banging someone's girlfriend and they wanted, you know, to be on in a game to be made famous or something. I don't know, but this guy can actually act. And so I really believed him as the kind of person who has never been outside of these like concrete rooms. Like he does a really great job. He seems very scared and he seems very naive and he seems very lost. And that, that really came through in his performance, which I thought was really good. I thought the supporting cast, uh, it's not a spoiler to say that there are flashbacks. Um, there's more than just him in the game. Um, the people in the flashbacks also do a good job. And I think that really helps sell the experience overall. But the thing that really sold this to me was I thought the story was great. And I don't say that very often about a video game. And in an FMV game like this, where all you're really doing is you're clicking on a, a thing, um, you know, you're clicking on a button to push something and you move forward. You're clicking on a a doorknob to open the door. Like you're not really doing anything really super gamey. There's a couple puzzles. They're very easy. Like you're not going to get stuck on anything for more than like five minutes, maybe not even five minutes, honestly, but it just felt like the story really carried me along. I was very curious to see where it was going to go. Every time I thought I knew what was going on, I was wrong. And then something else happened. And then by the time I got to the end, it did not go where I thought it was going to go. And there were a couple late game reveals, which I thought were really, really well done. So I just was so curious to find out what was going to happen to John and like what what the outcome of this thing was going to be. Like it just it hooked me from start to finish. So I really recommend it. I don't want to say a lot about it because I feel like, you know, the sole reason to play this game is to experience the story. And if I tell you the story, it's you're just it's just not going to be the same. You're not going to you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to want to sit down with it, but I would, I would strongly recommend, um, anybody who is into like kind of a walking sim slash minimally interactive experience. If you're interested in a good story and a very curious kind of artifact of, uh, of FMV gaming, pick it up. I mean, it's not worth 20 bucks, but I, I, you know, I got it on sale. I'm sure it's going to go on sale at some other point, block out two hours and just sit down and just play the whole thing from start to finish. It'll take you about two hours unless you get really stuck, which I don't think most people will. Uh, and just, just play the whole thing. And I got to say, I, by the time that it was done, I felt really satisfied with it and very, um, I don't know, just kind of happy that it ended up being so good. Like I was, I was kind of waiting for it to crash and burn. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, well, is it really going to be this good? I hope it's, I hope it's going to end well. Cause a lot of games don't end well. And where is this going? And then it got to where it was going and it was like, oh man, they nailed it. That was so awesome. Like I really, I was really happy that it ended so good. Cause I really like to see. Um, a project like this just succeed at what it tries to do. And I think this one is very successful. Um, so I like it a lot. Corey, I actually think that you would like it. Um, I was kind of going back and forth because I know you can be kind of picky about certain things and I know you're really like a walking sim aficionado. So I, I did want to recommend it to you if you were going to make fun of it. But after yeah. I got done with it, I'm like, you know, no, I bet Corey would kind of like this. So I think you would like it. Don't buy it for 20 bucks. But the next time it goes on sale, snap it up like 10 bucks or less snap it up and I bet you would like it. I mean, I've had my eye on it for a while and I remember when I first saw it, uh, when it hit the PSN, I was like, wow, this looks like it's going to be one of those games that's like so bad that it's good. And I almost bought it like a long time ago and uh, and I was just like, you know, I 
this is probably going to be terrible. It looks really dumb, but it also looks cool. Um, not really sure how this kind of game would work for me, but I am very pleasantly surprised to hear that you say it's good because the next time it goes on sale, I will pick it up immediately and play it because it, it sounds pretty up my alley. And if the story is actually good, then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am now, this is officially back on my radar now. Yeah, man, leave it on the radar. You know, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty uh, picky, and I'm a stickler when it comes to story. And I felt, I felt like this was a really cool story, um, <clears throat> surprising, satisfying, well written. I really liked it a lot. I give it a total thumbs up. So yeah, definitely check it out when, uh, when it comes back on sale again for sure. And I'm not going to say anything else about it because it would be a crime to spoil this game for anybody. So um, we are running a little bit long. Let's get through one more game. And I think we're going to bring this home and wrap it up. Corey, I know you wanted to talk about Enigmatis uh, <laughs> Ghosts of Maple Creek, which uh, was released January 24th this year, 2017, developed by famous world famous hidden object game uh, developer slash publisher Artifacts Mundi. And I know them. Because Daniel Weissenberger, who is a longtime senior staffer of Game Critics, he plays every fucking hidden object game that is ever released. I don't know how he finds the time. I literally don't know how he finds the time. I was the site's most prolific writer until I really took over full-time editing duties. And editing kind of takes up most of my time now. So Dan is our number one writer. He writes so fast. And he plays so many games. I think he probably has overtaken me in terms of total output these days, which is kind of... Kind of makes me want to fire myself back up and kind of beat him. But he plays every fucking hidden object game. And I don't, I mean, number one, I don't know why, because I think they're boring as shit. But I don't know how. I don't know how. Where does he find the time? I don't know. But anyway, I say that because I'm very familiar with all the pieces he puts out on Artifacts Monday. He cranks them out like five a week. It's ridiculous. And I was a little surprised to see that you were checking one out. So I, I want to hear about this, Corey. What drove you to try. Enigmatis Ghosts of Maple Creek. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think uh, we should probably make it clear that I have only played the demo of this game, and I think that's the big reason why I was interested in okay, it. Okay, true, true. Good point, good um, point. So I, I don't even know. Like, I feel like I saw it on the PSN store, and I maybe I was browsing the demos, and, like, the the cover for the game, it looks, you know, very kind of survival horror-y. It's like a creepy, like town street with like a church in the back and like clouds and stuff. And I was like, okay, well this looks kind of like a, like kind of like a silly horror experience. And I didn't know, I didn't know it was a hidden object game whenever I first downloaded it because I have never, I don't think I've ever played a hidden object and a hidden object game. I'm getting ahead of myself while talking. Um, so I turned on the demo and like 30 seconds in, I was like, man, I should just turn this off because I didn't know it was a hidden object game. I don't really know, like, what this is about. I don't really know how to play this. I've never played one of these before. But I was like, you know, it's a demo. It's probably like five minutes long. I'll just play it. I'll see what it's about. So for those of you, myself included, who had never played a hidden object game before, um, this is like every... It's you don't walk around freely in the game. You it's like there's the scene in front of you, and then you like click forward, and then it like fast forwards to the next scene. Or like you, you say you're looking down a town hall, and there's like a building on the side. You like click on the door, and then the next scene is just the entryway. You click on the stairs, and the next scene is just you know the stairwell or whatever. So it's not like you're not running around or anything. And in this game, you play as uh, I think she's like a private detective who is looking. Uh, she's on a like a missing persons case for a young woman. 
and she gets like attacked or something like right when the game starts and she has a, a little bit of amnesia. She kind of forgets what she's doing. So she has to look around this creepy town to figure out what case she was working on, where she was staying, if there's anybody in the town that can help her. And totally thought I was not going to like this game. I was like, man, this is going to be so stupid, like whatever. But I, you know, really liked it. The demo is fucking long too. It's like an hour or so long. And you, uh, it reminds the thing, I think the thing that I like the most about it is that I love, I absolutely love the room games on iOS, the room one, two, and three. I am obsessed with those games. And this reminds me of the room a lot because you're just walking through areas you're looking, you're looking for things on static screens. You're solving uh, really uh, kind of small puzzles. It's very adventure gamey puzzles. Like, you know, oh, let me look through this pile of stuff and find the, the light bulb. And then you have to remember like where you needed a light bulb or something like that, or like a lighter to light a candle or something. And, but the, the hidden object thing comes in, um, cause I had never played this before. Like there's, uh, for example, there's a situation where you have to go to the car and you open up the trunk and the static screen is just like this trunk that's open and there's like all the shit in the trunk and the game just randomly gives you like 10 or 15 things that you have to find and you literally just move a cursor around the screen and you try to find those things and whenever you find it you click on it and it like disappears off the pile of stuff in the trunk which sounds so stupid like it sounds so dumb like like oh i'm playing a video game where i'm just looking at this pile of junk in the corner and i have to find these like 15 random things but it is interesting and it is fun and it is challenging because i swear to god Every time I get on one of those screens, it's like, oh, a tennis racket. And I can stare at that stupid ass screen for like 15 minutes and not find the goddamn tennis racket. And I have to use the hints all the time to show me where this stuff is because I'm an idiot. And, but I like it. I think it's really good. And I think I'm going to end up buying it um, at some point because I'm, I'm like super interested in this. It reminds, it's like a console version of the room, not as good as the room, but, um, it's an interesting detective story. It's actually kind of, it has some like jump scares that were pretty surprising. Um, and the thing I like about the jump scares that it does is because every, since every screen is static, um, like in a lot of games, when they do jump scares, you, the, the game is counting on you looking in the right direction as an action happens. But in this game, you don't have control over where you're looking. So if the action happens, boom, it's right there in your face and the game sets it up perfectly for you. So I think that's pretty clever. Like there's a section where you have to find like a crowbar out of this pile of junk and then you have to remember where you need to use the crowbar. And there's like these boards that are loose on like the church floor and you like drag the crowbar over to the church floor and she like, it does like a little animation that shows the boards coming up and then you go to the next screen and it's like dead bodies under the floor of the church. And it was really scary and it was really funny because <laughs> it has like an audio cue that comes up whenever like the dead bodies show up. Oh my God. But I, I like this game way more than I thought I was going to. But Brad, did you play this demo? Yeah, man, I uh, downloaded it when you had told me about it. And so I checked it out. Um, I have played a couple of hidden object games um, way long time ago. They're not my jam. Uh, my wife actually was playing a bunch of them for a while. Uh, and then she kind of dropped off. Uh, so I haven't really dipped into the genre in, in some time. I know that they've made a lot of strides into making them more playable. And I mean, if anybody's curious, please come to GameCritics.com. Dan, I mean, he literally reviews like literally every fucking one in the world. So he knows which ones are really good worth playing and which ones are, are just junk. So I did try the demo. I did think it was better than I thought it was going to be. 
Uh, I think you're totally right on the money about everything you've said so far. I mean, I was staring at that trunk for like an hour and I couldn't find the goddamn <laughs> question mark. And I'm like, it's right here. I know it's right here. It's only one screen. I'm looking right at it. I can't see it. What? Oh, my God. I was spamming the hint button so hard. And then I felt like a moron when I would use the hints because there it is. It's right there. I'm just not paying attention. And I'm like, ah, oh. it was I mean, <clears throat> it's a well-made game from what I could tell from the demo. And I think that, you know, there was an, enough variety in the puzzles and stuff that I, I, I could see how somebody could play that for a while, but it just wasn't my jam. I don't have a criticism of it. I'm just, just for me personally, like, I don't think it's my thing. And so I probably wouldn't play it, but I did think it was well-made. And I, I do recommend if people want to check it out. I mean, the free demo, I mean, you can't go wrong. And clearly it clicked with you, man. So there must be something to it. Yeah, I totally like from the get-go, I was like, this game is going to be stupid. Why am I playing this? And then, like, five minutes later, I was like, wow, this is really good. This is way better than I thought it was going to be. So I uh, maybe I'm going to convert to to um, a hidden object, uh, I don't know, gamer. I'll have to give Dan a run for his money, and um, I probably won't do that. <laughs> God. But, um, oh, uh, my God. If we run any more fucking <laughs> hidden objects, you, you, you don't even know how many fucking reviews we've run for <laughs> hidden object games. It's ridiculous. I I honestly think Dan is the only one who reads them, and he's the fucker that writes them. I don't know if anybody even reads these things, but he writes them, and we run them, and we got so many. So I guess if you want to uh, check our archives, you could find some classics. If you want to give him a run for his money, I mean, we're clearly in the business of reviewing these fucking things. So. <laughs> and he has, um, like, listeners, if you are really interested, uh, Dan has a YouTube channel for this, right, where he streams these games. Is that correct? Oh, my God. Yeah, he does. He streams all sorts of, like, really bizarre shit on his he sends me these links to like, I love Dan. Dan is amazing. He is a Superman. He is a machine. He's like, he's, I'm, he's such a credit to game critics. I love Dan. So please don't misconstrue anything I'm about to say as negative <laughs> towards Dan, but he's the weirdest fucker when it comes to his videos. He sent me this video. Oh my God. It was like, Oh, I can't even remember what it was. It was like pictures of badgers that were supposed to be representing like plot twists in classic horror movies. Or I, I was watching the thing and I emailed him back. I'm like, Dan, what the fuck is this? I don't even understand. Why did you make this a video? Like, I don't even get what you're, it was like some kind of bizarre performance art bullshit. I mean, I love Dan. He's amazing. Um, I will say he is probably the foremost expert on deadly premonition in the world. Uh, he's, he's written like, like an 18 page treatise on deadly premonition. So I think that's amazing. He's written so many amazing things, but he's, when it comes to hidden object games and his, his, his tube, his, his tube channel, he's, He's out there, man. So check him out. It's it's like H O G U R U, hidden object game, shortened to Hog. So Hog Guru. I thought it was the uh, hidden object guru. I you know is it? Yeah, I mean it, it is. It's kind of mushed together. It's kind of like a portmanteau, right? Yeah. It's like hidden object game, and then he's also a guru, and and the G is shared between the two words, H O G U R U, and he's on YouTube. If you if you search that hog guru term on game critics you'll find his like eighty five thousand <laughs> articles he dude's a madman he's crazy so. or he could be Love Dan, it though. could be ho guru and he could be a guru of hoes uh you know that's very possible i haven't watched all his videos i would not be surprised <laughs> i i would not be surprised anyway sounds like a thumbs up on edigmatis correct uh totally yeah i will probably end up buying this game in the future and playing the rest of it because i was right. very pleasantly surprised well, we will check back. This is on PS4, Xbox One, PC, iOS, published and developed by Artifacts Mundi, going for $10. That sounds like a very fair price to me. And that brings us to the end of our game talk. Also, 
the end of today's show. But before we go, as always, I'd like to remind you that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. Uh, send it to us at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a collective show, at sovideogames. And if you so desire, you can reach us individually. Uh, Corey, what is your Twitter handle? It's something weird and obscure. Uh, very. It is, um, believe it or not, my first and last name. It is C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. If you desire to follow me on Twitter and watch me live tweet getting drunk in downtown New Orleans, then that's the place to go. Good times, good times. I am also on Twitter, at Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's in my name, no O's. And that brings us to the end of yet another So Video Games. We will see you next week for sure. Tune in then. But for now, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>